is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Over the Top Podcast. If it feels like Justin and I last hung out with you listeners only a couple weeks ago, that's because last season did actually end just a couple weeks ago, which is kind of kind of crazy to think about. But here we are. We're here to chat about the 22-23 Premier League season for what I think, Justin, is now the fourth year we've done this, which third officially. Um, Justin, how you doing, man? How's your summer been? It's been busy, but fun, man. It's this flown by, I will say. This guy's like, getting I, this guy's getting married, y'all. Yeah, we're getting married in like less than four weeks. So that has just made the summer fly by. But no, I mean, I feel like we were just having our end of season recap episode where we were talking about all the surprises and disappointments of the last season. And now we're going to get our predictions for this season. I feel like we just did it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were saying you just went through our season one uh, or preseason predictions for last season. and Oh, man, that was entertaining. Some, some total, you know, eating crow. Others actually looked sneaky good, like leads might go down. But I mean, yeah, they no, did it, but they were in the race till the end. Let me tell you. It is actually crazy, though, to think about the Premier League season legitimately ended, what, six weeks ago, five weeks ago, and then what your bachelor party and the well, it was, I guess that was two final. months ago that was two months ago Kat. was two months yeah See, it's all just blending together it's, it's 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 a heat wave up here in the pacific northwest my brain is melting and because we don't have ac out here but well speak here we for are. yourself but yeah <laughs> oh yeah sorry you've moved on up in life <laughs> <laughs> This is exciting, though. I think today we're just going to get into some storyline. In the past, we've gone through team by team. I don't think we're going to do that today. We're just going to get into some big storylines that we think of. We're going to get into our table predictions. We have this nice Uh spreadsheet where we have some similarities, Kyle. A lot of similarities, I'll say, but some key differences that we'll get into. And then just some predicted surprises and disappointments, a.k.a. some hot takes. And we have yep. some spicy ones on here, especially as we get into later <laughs> in the list. <laughs> yeah, it's got to get got to get progressively spicier as as the list goes on. But I mean, some of these seem like a hot take on paper, but if you really think about it, I mean, we'll get more into it. But yeah, I'll get into and it. then at the end, I mean, I, I'd imagine we'll cover most of the big transfers that have happened so far. Transfer window is not closed. I think it's open for what another month through the end of August. End of August, I think. Because past seasons when we've been doing this show, they've ended right before the Premier League season started, if you remember, which I liked that yeah. change a little bit. But now it's back to the traditional, aka the rest of Europe, where right. they end the end of August. Right. They it's kind of weird like... that you can do it like it's a off-season transfer window, if you think about mm-hmm. it, but it goes like three to four weeks into the season. That is kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, but it's kind of like how it was always done. And just the last two seasons, for some reason, the Premier League had to do it differently. I just, I wish all the teams finish the transfer window, you know, before the season started, make us predicting the season a lot easier, but whatever. Anyway, so. Oh, yeah, for our selfish, you know, selfishly. Uh, no, I'm mm-hmm. just kidding. But at the end, um, there might be some transfers that we've forgotten that we might, um you know, not every single comprehensive transfer, but we'll probably miss a few in our conversation. So we'll also get to that. Yeah, well, let's get started and let's talk about a couple of the transfers, but a couple of the philosophies of the top two teams. And I think unquestionably, probably still the top dogs, especially after that, what do they call it? The community shield performance that they had over the weekend. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City, Kyle, they had some transfer activity this summer, both of them. 
selling some players that wanted out or new challenges and not necessarily mad or disgruntled with the club, but just looking for fresh starts. And both of them similarly invested young and invested in their strikers. And so starting at Manchester city, they bought Erling Holland, as we alluded to at the end of last season from Borussia Dortmund, hardly spent any money on him, to be honest, when you look at the net spend with Gabby Jesus and Holland. And I mean, one of the premier young strikers in the world. So it's going to be exciting to see him in a city shirt. People are calling him already calling him a flop though. So he must suck. And on the other side, Liverpool, Darwin Nunez, a big money signing from Benfica out of Portugal. He's a Uruguayan striker looking to follow in the footsteps of Cavani and Forlan and Suarez and all the likes. And, you know, in the preseason, I think he had a couple howlers of misses and people are already saying he sucked in the preseason of his first season. Imagine that, Kyle. And look at and the community shield shows up for 30 minutes and looked like a Premier League all-star. So, Kyle, I'll turn it over to you. What do you think of these signings? Do you think they're smart signings? Do you think there will be the strikers of the future? I would love to get your take on these guys. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because it's not just like the two best teams in the world. I mean, at least they still are for me, even though Madrid won Champions League. Uh, It's not just like the two best teams buying new strikers, but the style that they play, especially Man City, makes the striker question just fascinating. Like, it's not just a sure thing that any striker could fit right into man city's like highly tailored system. We've seen strikers struggle there before. So that to me is fascinating. I mean, Liverpool have also not really played with the pure striker either since, since Suarez left. I mean, I don't really consider Firmino a pure striker. You know what I mean? Oh, he drops deep a ton. Yeah. You know, so I'll be really curious to see how both of those work. But look, if you're talking about young, exciting strikers, future Ballon d'Or winners like Erling Holland, man, I mean, it's funny because everyone expects him to be a dead success, like 100%. And he's pretty much as close to a certainty as you can get. Because, I mean, the dude is such a monster. And anyone who hasn't watched him, I mean, you know him well from Dortmund. Mm-hmm. He's just, I can't see him not working in the Premier League. I don't know about you. It's hard to see. I mean, the only hesitation I have, and this is so minor, is that he's going to have a transition playing from Dortmund style to city style, like you alluded to. It's a uh, very different, right? Mm-hmm. And so being on the ball, being so playing, playing against teams that are so compact and not a lot of space to run in, he's going to have to improve the runs he makes and just finding that little bit of space technically to get off his shots because he is so clinical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's 20, he just turned 22. And so like, he has so many, like he could be at city at least 10 years mm-hmm. of good, of good play left in him, like guaranteed. And so yeah. I'm really excited for that. And look, he can only get, he can only get better. And I would mm-hmm. hope fans are, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually takes a little bit for him to get going, but he's such a monster. I mean, it won't take long to see. And then it's kind of funny because there are a lot of good young strikers out there, but if you think of young strikers who are kind of like style-wise similar to Holland, I think of Darwin Nunez, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, pacey, big, his runs are great, his timing is great, his instincts are great. And I almost think in a way Darwin Nunez fits. I don't think he's as good of a striker as Holland, but I think he fits Liverpool better in a way, you know? 
Yeah. But I think he's not as, I don't think he's as polished as Holland. So, but look, we're like, we're, we're splitting hairs here. These are two of the top young strikers in, in the world. And I'm excited, man. I'm so excited. I mean, I have Darwin, you rigged our fantasy league for me to get the last pick. And so Darwin Nunez was still available. So we gobbled him up and I need him to have a good year here. So we need him to perform. I hope he's, do you think he'll start against Fulham? I think he will. I mean, after that 30 minute performance against city, he might yeah. get a run out. I think I, I think I will mostly, I, I think he will mostly because uh, Diogo Jota is not fully fit yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they could start for Mino, I guess is the mm-hmm. alternative with uh, Luis Diaz out on the left, but we will see. Moving on from Manchester City and Liverpool to premier clubs to really a club that flops and is flopped in the transfer window is Manchester United. And I, Kyle, this is a hard one for me to understand. They have been rumored with all sorts of players such as Frankie de Jong and Anthony and some players from Chelsea and all sorts of things under the sun. Yet they've hardly signed anybody. They signed Lissandro Martinez from Ajax. I think a good ball playing center back. He gets kind of made fun of for being short at five, nine, which is pretty stupid, but whatever. I mean, I think he's going to be a good player for them. I mean, I mean, you would probably rather have Lissandro Martinez out there than Harry Maguire, right? So I don't think that's a bad signing. Who, Lissandro Martinez? Right. I mean, I think people are too quickly talking about how short he is, but as a I short was just guy, saying, yeah, like, I was just saying that. Yeah, it's like, it's like I'm yeah, like, I mean, come on. Who, who, but, I mean, clearly people forget uh, the guy from Italy, Fabio Cannavaro. Dude is like five foot six. You know, I mean, this is in the Dutch league, to be fair, but he won like the crazy high percent of aerial duels. So, I mean, I don't know how he's getting up there, but he was. So he's good good in the, he's good in the air. He's really physical. I mean, I think his nickname is like Pitbull and you know how these Argentine center backs are. They're kind of crazy. So I think he'll be good, but look, he's a young player, man. So that's not like a ready-made success. That's the one thing with Martinez. So I was saying like, yeah, I mean, they, no Frankie de Young, no, no midfield. I mean, they got Erickson on a free, which is exciting. But I think if I was a United fan and the transfer window ended today, I think it would be a massive disappointment, especially if they want a challenge for top four. And you have a Ronaldo that's unhappy. My bet and your bet is that he stays. So no drama there for our podcast, but I think he stays. <laughs> but what, what kind of Ronaldo are you going to get? Is he going to press in this 10 hog systems? I think there's just so mm-hmm. much, que- so many questions and such a quiet preseason that I'm really unsure about Manchester United right now. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that's really interesting with United is I, uh, I really like 10 hog. I, I think it's a good appointment, but Ten Hag is one of those managers that kind of like Pep has such a specific system and United is a big club that usually doesn't bend to the manager, but they will have to bend to this manager. Yes. And it's just like dynamic of will the club let that happen? You know, I mean, will the fans be patient? I mean, I think if the fans are patient, it could end up being a really good move, but yeah, Manchester United is such an interesting storyline going into the season. I think I don't think they'll quite have enough to make the top four right now. But, you know, you and I were debating before before going on. I actually think United's 
squad is not as bad as people make it out to be. If you look on paper, it's still pretty good. It's just they've been performing at a terrible, terrible level. And if on paper, again, they lost like some really big names, but those players been dogging it for years. So it's a I, I don't really know what to expect. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I think United gets an F on how they handled the whole Pogba situation. Oh my me, god! To be honest, yes. Might <laughs> might might we remind y'all that he went left on a free? They signed him for a world record fee, then he left for free again. What are they going to? Both sign times him? to Juventus, by the way. So yeah, good business for Juve. I I gave Juve an A and Man United an F. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I I can't. I don't know what to make of United. And you know, this one last point I want to hit on before we move on. I don't know if it's just me and I'm not trying to be United hater. I feel like I'm coining that for myself. I'm really not. We're kind of yeah. building up this reputation of, of being United. I know, hater. I know. And I, I'm <laughs> trying to be the neutral one on the podcast, but you know, it's not really showing. I feel like I've read a lot of things in the media that almost assume that Ten Hag is going to be a smashing success or that he's going to be a success. Uh, right yeah. away mm-hmm. and i just couldn't disagree more and i'm not saying ten hog won't be a success i just don't think he's going to be a success right away and i just don't know why we're assuming with the players and he's largely inherited players rather than bringing in all his players yes he yeah. brought in malasia from psv and he brought in miss martinez like i said but mm-hmm. i just don't know why we're assuming it's going to be a smashing success from the start i mean I, he's- I mean am i reading into that is that not true and i'm just like have this internal bias where i read that united is positive like these positive things when it's not positive i don't know tell me your vibe yeah i mean uh uh well i don't i don't want to lecture anyone but if you get me started on the whole english sports media (laughs) bias thing against united it drives me up the wall i don't think anyone can it's not as bad as like NBC in the U.S. is not as nowhere close to as biased towards a one team. But if you watch like Sky Sports News or something or listen to Talk Sport or whatever the hell it is in the U.K., um, they're such united blowhards like without fail. But yeah, I don't think he's tapping up Ajax quite as much as maybe the narrative is, although it does on paper look like they're going for IX light. I'm not going to lie. I mean, Erickson was an IX youth, youth yeah. product, you know, they're going for De Jong. De Jong yep. They got Martinez. They, they went for Timber, the other young center back. They wanted like everyone. Anthony was a big one. They've been rumored right. with. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure they wanted Graven Birch, you know, the whole, the whole team, the whole, the whole team basically. But yeah, the, the media narrative shit, assuming that Ten Hag will be a success. Look, he's a manager from Ajax, and Ajax was his only team. He was a head coach. Before that, he was an assistant at Bayern. So he doesn't have a huge track record, but I do really like Ten Hag 100%. But he's like, again, the club needs to bend to him, and I've never seen United bend to a manager that isn't named Ferguson. It'd be fascinating to watch. And they opened the season against Brighton, a team that smacked them around, especially at the end of the last season. You remember that 4 0 just drubbing, mm-hmm. and it could have been like seven against United. It was terrible. Yeah. Basuma have to, or Basuma, uh, Brighton have to fare without Basuma, though. So, well, speaking speaking of Basuma, uh, moving on huh? to the North London teams. See, that, that transitions what I was initially going for before uh, I fucked it all uh, up. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're, this is, this is like preseason for us. We're not we're, in we're, mid season form here. We're shaking off the rest. Don't worry. That's right. As you're wearing a Tottenham jersey in our inaugural episode of season four. <laughs> 
North London squads. I think that maybe less so than our, with Arsenal, but in general, I think these squads had a plan and got their business done relatively early mm-hmm. compared to most squads. And this is something, and you are the, you're the expert here, so correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if Tottenham is known for early business and oh getting players in the door right away. That's what Dortmund is known for. That's the one oh, nice man. thing Dortmund does, as you know. <laughs> Dortmund and Dortmund and City are the the masters of the early business, <laughs> like tapping up a player a year in advance, you know. I mean, I look, I can't speak to Arsenal with like when they usually plan transfers, but they're usually pretty scattershot and without much of a plan. I see a plan with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can get into that a little bit more. To answer your question, Dude, I, I've never, not only have I ever seen a transfer window this promising, like I'm not trying to get carried away because all Spurs fans are pessimists if they're real Spurs fans, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but this is the best transfer window I've ever seen. Six signings by like, what was it? Mid-July. At least mid-July, yeah. That is, that's absurd, you know, and a couple out from left field. And they're not nickel and diming as well. And then on top of all that, they haven't actually spent a crazy amount of money. They really haven't. I think it's like 90 million pounds or something like up front. So it's been smart. Yeah, it's been smart. I mean, there's like add-ons and shit, but it's been smart business. It's been targeted. They've gotten like the absolute necessities for their squad and it now looks more like Antonio Conte's squad and it looks like a Fabio Paratici. Like it look, you can tell he's been doing his business, the director of football. So I'm excited, man. I, I Spurs fans should be excited. I think Arsenal fans should also be pretty excited as well, though. I think they're going places as much as I hate to say it. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you think of Arsenal football over the past few years and who they brought in. I mean, they tried the whole David Louise experiment and, uh, Willie on and all these failed signings from other clubs. And like you said, I think they have a plan. I think they're targeting young, but players that have something to prove. I mean, you have Gabby Jesus and well, Arteta rating the cupboard of his former team helps too. I mean, yeah. Gabby Jesus coming I mean, in. It's a good talent pool to tap up. I, I know you and I have both said privately over the past few weeks questions on, is he a true number nine? Cause he's played out wide for so much for city and Brazil as well. And so does that translate? I mean, he's leading the line in preseason and doing well mm-hmm. preseason, right? So we'll see. He has a lot to prove, but early signs are good. They brought in Zinchenko also from city, the city left yeah. back. He can also play midfield and winger, but less so as well we'll see if how he rotates in with tierney um so yeah. Yeah, and play. and it's center of the pitch as well probably with right you can't play party and jaka you know i mean yeah i mean party has some uh some things off the pitch he needs to worry about so we'll see what happens there have you heard yeah, about was, that was not aware of that is it like a basuma style situation legal uh, situation it's a worse? legal situation uh um some bad domestic violence i think some oh, rape charges like it's oh, bad God. yeah Jeez. so we'll see okay. we'll see what happens with thomas party and if it gets excused or not so but a lot wow. of things swirling around that so we don't know the situation there they did bring in uh 
30 million pound signing Vieira, I believe is how you pronounce his name from Porto. And I thought, mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't know much about him, but I mean, I know he had rave reviews from Porto. So I'm interested to see him play as well. And if he slots in this season. So, uh, and not on this transfer list, but I think as Arsenal fans would point out a big one is that Saliba back from France. He was out on loan. And I know a lot of people, he was, he performed really well on loan in France last season. And I think that that could be potentially a big, I mean, I'm a big signing for them. I know he kind of wanted to go back out mm-hmm. and on a permanent, but Arteta was like, no, you're going to be key for me this season. So um, with Europa league, I imagine there's going to be more rotation with Gabriel and Ben white and Saliba. So I'm sure he'll get some playing time, but I love the signings for Arsenal. They're pretty young. They have shown potential. And I think it's only deep in their squad without losing um, mm-hmm. too much talent. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I think if you think of like Arsenal signings, like the Arsenal DNA, Jesus and Zinchenko like perfectly fit that, I think. Like really technical, good on the ball, great in possession. But I still I still have questions over some things like, I know Gabby Jesus has scored like a boatload in preseason, but (laughs) he's never been a big goal scorer. And I'm not saying he can't do it because I've always really liked Gabby Jesus. His like first touch is great. He has a high footballing IQ. His movement's great. I mean, it just, if you watch him, just his first touch, his decision-making just, it's all so smooth and it's not like he has to think too much about it. And that's perfect for Arsenal. But again, like, where are the goals going to come from? I know Arsenal fans are always saying, oh, the goals are going to be spread out. And I hear that and they're right. But I do feel like a pure goal scorer maybe can take them that next level. But I don't know. Again, this is like me trying to be hypercritical of like a really good summer transfer window. You know, I, I don't think like Zinchenko is a great signing either, but he fills like two needs with one player. So it's a I good think, signing. It's a good. Yeah. yeah it's a good signing. And then look like everyone they signed last year, the rest of the squad is really young. You would logic would tell you that they're only all going to get better. I mean, the whole back line is young. The whole attack is young. So there's a lot to look forward to. And then Spurs is just like, you know, summer transfer window, like Spurs have never seen not really a marquee signing, but building out the squad, but kind of mm-hmm. like Arsenal lacks a goal scorer, at least, so far for me, I still think Spurs lack creativity. That's my one thing with Spurs. And I don't know if any of the, if the right wing backs are like what a Conte system truly needs. So look, these are two imperfect teams, but I think they'll both be much better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Agreed with that. Let's move from North London to West London. And this, and what I put down in our internal notes that I'll share with the audience is Barca greater than Chelsea, LOL. The reason (laughs) I put that for Chelsea is because Barcelona and Chelsea have been rumored with almost all of the same players. And I don't think that's an exaggeration uh, in this transfer window. And Barcelona, I think, have won all of those head to head (laughs) matchups. I don't know how, Kyle, because apparently they don't have any money and they had to let Leo Messi leave last summer and the whole thing. But all of a sudden they found the the treasure chest at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the great Caribbean. I I don't know. Yeah, definitely backed by mafia money or something. (laughs) I I don't know what the Catalan mafia is doing or what's going on. But anyway, so Chelsea, quite a transfer window, let me tell you. And why I say quite, it's bizarre. 
quite Absolutely. a six months that go even beyond the squad and uh, yeah, yeah yeah i mean that go beyond soccer right mm-hmm. i mean just world news and terrible things going on in this world but new owner and so american owner uh be Bowley out of the i forget the, i don't know how to pronounce his name todd Bowley, i think yeah, i think that's right uh from the la dodgers and as you were talking and making a really good point before the show is like chelsea you know with the smallest stadium of the big six clubs and taking okay with taking operating losses you know how is he going to come in and stabilize the squad or you know how is he going to make a splash and all of these things and what we've seen so far is big signing lukaku um you know cock in last summer cock out this summer you know we're just changing our strategy right and so he comes in for 100 million and he leaves on a loan which no buyback so he just they just give up on him after one year timo Werner's rumored to leave uh right now those rumors are on loan to leipzig back to where he came from but we'll see where he goes i think juve is also in play but yeah. we'll see they brought in raheem sterling from manchester city so we'll see what he can do but up front and their goal scoring, they're really relying, I think, on Kai Havertz as of this moment. And I know they were on the Lewandowski sweepstakes, but he only wanted Barca, his words. They were in on Rafinha. He only wanted Barca. Who's going to be banging in the goals for this season for Chelsea, Kyle? I think they're trying to really rely on their new... I, I think, like Arsenal, like they want to spread out the goals, but... They're really relying on a new signing, I think, Raheem Sterling to be a big goal scorer and then maybe Mason Mount. You know, those are the two who are deadliest in front of goal. And then, you know, Havertz is, what, his third season. So maybe he – is it his third season? Hazard? Uh, Havertz. Havertz. Uh, uh, I yes. might have said Hazard instead. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so maybe, you know, I, I like Havertz a lot. I still think he's really gifted, but, you know – he's one of those players where like, does the Premier League suit him? Is he a little lightweight? Does he get pushed around a bit, but high footballing IQ, Tuchel mm-hmm. system could work. But again, it's a lot of like, maybe could a lot of ifs with Chelsea. I mean, yeah, their ownership was forced out because he's a Russian oligarch. And like I said, operating at a loss, this is what makes Chelsea different from like all the other clubs is every year Abramovich's owner, they operated at a loss and with his oligarch money from the former Soviet state, like they're able to bankroll it. And it's interesting because Todd Bowley is like the Dodgers are the mega millions team in the MLB. So there's like a sign that he'll spend a lot of money, but I wouldn't expect him to take a loss like an oligarch would, who's a Chelsea fan. So I don't know. I mean, even Tottenham stadium is like, almost 20,000 more same with Arsenal. I mean, like they don't have as much revenue as like you would think on paper. Cause they've been a dominant team for 20 years. So I think Chelsea is the most interesting story. The biggest question mark going into the season. I'll be really curious to see. Where yeah. Them and United, I think Chelsea might even be a bigger question mark to your point. They did bring in a defender in Koulibaly, uh, a yeah, player team. that's been rumored with the premier league for a long time, but I think he's like, how old is he? Is he 30, 29? He's older now. He is 30, maybe even 31. But like, he looks like he's not everyone's built for the Premier League, but he looks oh, he's like built. he's built for he's the Premier built. League. Like, yeah. He's a big dude. But I mean, we've seen other big physical tall center back struggle as well. So it's not a gimme, but he's class, man. I expect he'll be good. But who's going to be playing defense for them? I mean, 
you said their Barca is going after all the same players, but Barca is also going after Marcus Alonso and Aspilicueta. Like, I don't know what Chelsea did to Barcelona, but Barca's got like some vendetta out against them. It's kind of hilarious. I know. I know. I mean, who's going to be starting in the back for Chelsea? I mean, you have Thiago Silva is probably going to put in one more season for them. You would think because losing mm-hmm. Rudiger and Christensen, Koulibaly, and mm-hmm. who else? Reese James, Azpilicueta, I guess, if they don't sell. I mean, that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll sign someone else. I've seen them linked with really good center backs. So, I mean, they're, I, they're linked heavily with Fofana, but Leicester is saying they're not going to sell him, but we'll see. And then I see Gvardiol from Leipzig. But again, these right. are all really expensive center backs. We're talking like Harry Maguire money, like no joke. So, I don't know. And then on top of all that, uh, important detail, you know, Todd Bowley is, you know, the owner is running all the transfer activity. So he's mm-hmm. doing like Chelsea had one of the best directors of football, Granovskaya. She was amazing, but she went out with Abramovich. Um, I don't know if they're part of the same oligarch posse or whatever, but credit to her, man, because she was great at her job and, Bowley's now doing all the transfer activity and as an American baseball guy, you know, how much does he really know about the transfer market? I, these, I really have no idea. It's just a big, big ass question mark, you know? So very, very interesting going into the season. And I don't know. I wonder, I could see Bowley wanting to make s- statements. Like what if Chelsea struggled at the beginning? Like is Tuchel under pressure? I mean, I get so many questions. Moving on from the top six teams into some of the up and coming or, you know, close to home teams. And let's start with the Saudi bankroll team. And that is Newcastle United. You know, we made fun of them because if you went on Instagram or TikTok, there'd be videos of like Mbappe to Newcastle <laughs> or Holland to Newcastle. Who else? Ronaldo to Newcastle, all these types of Or like Newcastle's potential starting a lineup and it has all of those (laughs) players in one team. (laughs) Evan De Bruyne and all these players, right? Stupid. Um, It's been quiet so far, relatively quiet. They they brought in uh, Boatman, I think, from, uh, is it Lille or Nice? I can't remember, but he came over from Ligue 1. I think that's a really good signing. Good center back, really tall, good Mm -hmm. left foot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they brought in Trippier in the winter. I think, I mean, they haven't splashed out. I mean, they've, they're rumored heavily with James Madison from Leicester, which is kind of an interesting idea yeah, for me. It's weird um, to me. I don't really get that one. I know they're rumored with Pepe uh, from Arsenal because he's kind of on the outside looking in there. It's interesting. But, you know, Newcastle aren't going as hard in the transfer window as we thought. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's financial fair play. Maybe, you know, they're just building the slow build and trying to get depth. But so far, I would say it's a little underwhelming if I'm a Newcastle fan. Yeah, I think it's underwhelming for pretty much everyone. And I think it is financial fair play. But yeah, it's curious. It's just, you know, the other teams owned by states, Man City and PSG were bought, what, like 15 years ago and like 10 years ago, something like that. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit different without financial fair play then, but you know, I they city especially wouldn't have grown the way it did with financial fair play because I what it's like related to how much like income, how much revenue you bring in, but it's not like Newcastle is a 
Newcastle's starting from a much bigger place than City was. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, they sell out that 50,000 seat stadium, no matter how terrible they were under Mike Ashley in the second division, you name it, they always sold it out. So those weren't fair weather fans there. No, I mean, this is for anyone who doesn't know, like Leeds and Newcastle are like major, major clubs uh, in, in England. So yeah, it's fascinating. I, I'm surprised they haven't done more business. Um, I said, Madison doesn't make sense to me, not because I don't like Madison, but you know, they signed Joe Willick last summer, I think wasted kind of money on him. And then they signed Bruno Guimaraes in the January, who looks great. Started to come on, especially in that since like April on, he started to look pretty good. And I'd expect him to keep kicking on. But again, it's like United buying Ericsson. I'm like, what, you're going to buy a third attacking center mid? That doesn't make much sense. But look, who am I to question Eddie Howe? He was one of my managers of the season last year. Oh, yeah. He likes a progressive passing, uh, you know, style play. Madison will definitely help that. So I don't know. Yeah. The Saudi money team, another big question mark, but it's been weirdly quiet, but I think they're biding their time since I think teams are just going to like United they're, They hear Newcastle's interested and they're going to ask for a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate for them, but kind of funny i i did forget <laughs> about a couple small they brought in like matt target mm-hmm. um and uh nick pope from burnley yeah keeper. Right. i think that's a big upgrade on keeper for them i think they had like debrufka or something um yeah nick pope so. would be really good for them and then uh i mean trippier played like three or four games for them right. as well. So right yeah it'll be it'll be interesting but I'd, I'd expect a couple more signings to come in like maybe um I don't know, maybe a center back who's going to partner Botman. Maybe they sign a bigger striker, although Callum Wilson is good. He's just glass boy. Right. And they have you know, Wood as backup, Chris Wood. Mm-hmm. But he's okay. He's you know. fine. He's fine as a backup striker, I would say, on like a team like Newcastle in their current yeah. state. I think that's fine. But. Maybe like a ball playing center mid, I feel like they could really use who like dictates play like a Ruben Neves or something. I don't know. Mm. If I was playing he's been rumored manager. with United, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't. I'm surprised no one snapped him or Tielemans up. Yeah, Tielemans. I don't know what's taking so long for him. I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's quickly the last one. Uh, just because we're Americans and we watch the Premier League, it would be hard for us not to remind our viewers and inform them of the American Revolution at Leeds United. So let's to go, speak. baby, let's go. Yeah, I mean Brendan Aronson. You got we were we knew about him at the end of last season, I think. But how about that Travella assist that he had the other day outside oh, of the man. foot to uh, Bamford? I believe that was a nice that was a nice pass. Yeah, if you go on Twitter right now, look up Brendan Aronson or just Aronson leads or whatever, you'll see him talk. What what Justin's talking about that outside the boot pass, driven on the ground, bending outwards. Yeah, yeah, we, we like we're big fans of that. I yeah, big podcast. F- Big fan. I mean, it's not like Leeds with their American manager are just signing American players. Like these are some of the young American players that I think you and I both rate really highly. I mean, mm-hmm. Brendan Aronson, I think will be, he might be a little lightweight for the Premier League at the beginning, but if you want a high pressing, high energy, but technically skilled player, I mean, dude, Brendan Aronson's great for the Premier League. And then maybe this is a crazy statement, but style wise, Tyler Adams reminds me of N'Golo Conte. Not as good, but style-wise. And I don't know, Do I on a scale from 1 to 10, how crazy is that? Uh, it's like a 5 crazy. 
Okay. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I mean, he's certainly really good and he'll just know, mop it up, you know. He he runs a play for, and forever. You know, they certainly made money on that transition because they, you know, they had Rafinha go out and they had Calvin Phillips go to City, which we didn't mention. So Calvin Phillips is out and Tyler Adams is in. So we'll see how he fills that spot. I mean, Calvin Phillips didn't play for a lot of last season. Mm -hmm. You might remember. And so that should be an upgrade from what Leeds were playing last season, given their absence of Calvin Phillips. I think so. No Rafinha though. That's, that's big. That's that's a big one. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about like where Calvin Phillips came in a second. Cause I realized we didn't talk about the departures of city and Liverpool, but um, we'll, we'll get there. But with Leeds, yeah, I'm excited about the American revolution. I really want it to go well because damn it. I want American coaches to be, yeah. respected and honestly if if there is a single american coach that i actually listening to him talk about football i'm like yeah this guy knows what he's talking about the only one i think that way is is jesse marsh with leads even burr sometimes i'm like does he really know what he's talking about but that's probably unfair but i have a love hate relationship with burr mostly <laughs> it's on the hate side but there's some things that are that go well i, I, I do agree- i do appreciate his shoe game though I got to I got to give it to I him. saw the worst take on Twitter I've ever seen. They said yeah. Brendan Aronson was just a Jordan Morris light. Oh. Oh. Mm, the disrespect. Anyway, yeah. And I Jordan Morris is I'm not going to crap, you know, it's differently, the whole different ball game. It's just oh, like We're we're Seattle just, guys. We can't just hate disres- on the hometown boy. Just disrespecting Brendan Aronson. That's what at my angle I'm going to come at this is. They're they're like very different players though. Like yeah. more Jordan is like obviously hometown boy. We love him. Sounders fans here, but he's all pace and power and a bit of finishing. And Aronson is like technically gifted, has some sauce. And is not a glass boy. I, that's unfair on Jordan Morris because he's torn his ACL like three times. But, you know, Aronson is skilled. And, you know, he struck, he was a total success at Leipzig or not Leipzig, uh, Salzburg. Salzburg. Yep. Yeah. One Salzburg. of the valuable clubs. Yeah. Salzburg has like this conveyor belt of talent. So if they're picking him up at 19, like, you know, they, they know a player when they see one. You think just European scouts, they just have like second homes in Salzburg? Yeah. It's a pretty great place to like Salzburg, yeah, like, Austria to have a second home. Like Salzburg um, in Lisbon and Porto. <laughs> and then all the big in Amsterdam. Oh, and then all the big ones. European clubs like Bayern, they definitely have like a like a summer Dortmund home in Dortmund. Office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a Dortmund office. <laughs> oh man. Exactly. No, yeah. I think I was actually reading like statistically the most scouted teams in the world, I think are number one, Ajax, number two, Ren in France, which actually makes sense. Think about it. And then Mm -hmm. three, uh, I think was Salzburg. So Mm -hmm. bing bong. Last season, Monaco made a shit ton of money on that Schumann guy that went to Madrid. I mean, that turnaround was crazy. Didn't Mm -hmm. they spend like, didn't Real Madrid spend a hundred million on him or something? Schumann, I haven't. Or Schumann. Yeah. It's weird because I still have never seen him play. Yeah, he does. Looks like sauce, a beast, though. I mean, he's a saucy looks... goal in training if you, mm. if you find it on the Real Madrid socials. I'm sure Anyways, it's really good, but still. Let's get into some table predictions, the fun part. Ooh. Yeah, a little saucy. So we filled out a full 20 table here, and a lot of similarities here, some differences, but should we start with uh, top four, top seven, top six type of thing? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And like, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get a graphic going on our Instagram page, which is in uh which is in revitalization mode. Draft mode. Yep. Oh, believe me, believe me, but yeah, let's do the top four first and then we'll just keep going down in chunks. All right. So I'll start because there is nuance to this, even though they're similar. So I have city repeating as title repeating as the title holders. I have Liverpool in second, third place. I have Tottenham Hotspur football club, third place. Conte making a difference and then narrowly by a mm, half an inch I have Chelsea above Arsenal for fourth spot fourth spot so Mm. it's close for me though so top four City Liverpool Tottenham Chelsea Kyle what you got man I really I really want to disagree with you and just like shit on your predictions and tell you why I'm right and you're wrong but Yeah, sure, that's more I fun. think actually top to bottom I agree with everything you said. I mean, I'd like to get more creative than thinking City's going to win again, but I just they have the least change and then you bring Holland in the situation. That's just that's kind of scary and they're actually going to sign a left back, you would think. Again, that's pretty scary. I don't think Calvin Phillips, who they did sign um, from Leeds, I don't think he'll get much playing time, but he's a good player, though. They'll get all, like, the crappy, when they play, like, crappy teams and then, like, the Carabao Cup games. I think that's when he gets runouts for Rodri. Yeah, kind of like like what City always does. I think he'll get more minutes year two than year one. But, look, man, I think, like, Jack Grealish will be more prominent. That's kind of... Uh, a hunch that I have. I mean, it's normal city. Look at Cancelo didn't play much first year and uh, Aguero didn't play Pep's first year really that much. So, but yeah, city first, you know, my Tottenham goggles want me to put Spurs second, but come on, I can't, I can't say other, you know, Liverpool are going to finish second. I don't think the drop off from losing Mane, which is big, really big. Don't want to understand. Don't want to like, sell myself short there, but um, I think Darwin Nunez will be good. And um, I don't even think he needs to start for them to be successful. Luis Diaz was that good second half last season. I'm so sure of it, but yeah, Spurs third squad is in a different place now. And you know what? I, Justin, I was so close to picking Arsenal fourth. I really was. And I know it feels weird to shower praise on Arsenal, but Again, Chelsea, big fat question mark. I can see them having a bad season and Arsenal finishing fourth, but um, I still stuck with Chelsea, barely. Barely, because of that squad and the money. and uh, So weird, yeah. This doesn't make a fun graphic for the Instagram, our top four, because they're the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of us needs to change it so it's like Fulham, Everton, I mean, at this Chelsea, point, we can go Buster. with the general over the top, top four. Yeah, I think so. Fifth and sixth, we also have the same. Arsenal in fifth, I think we just, as we both mentioned, we have them neck and neck with Chelsea. It wouldn't surprise us in the bit, you know, in the slightest if they finished top four. And then I was close to just booting them out, but Manchester United in sixth for both of us. I mean, I'm just not a hater. I'm a hater. I'm a hater. (laughs) I'm not happy with the business they've done. And of course, that could all change. The transfer window is still open and, you know, there's other business, but... No, I guess we'll get the luxury of seeing them play a few games before that end of transfer window episode. Yeah, I really don't know what to expect from Manchester United. I mean, like you said, anyone who thinks 
a manager from the Netherlands is going to be a, a resounding success right off the bat is, you know, could be in for a rude awakening. But that being said, I really like him. There's still a lot of good players there. I think, you know, players who didn't play well last year will be more prominent. I think like players like D- Dallo could actually be good for them. I think Fred will probably get a lot st- better. Dallo's going to start, right? I mean, he's not going to run out Wamba Saka. I mean, I'm pretty sure Ten Hag yeah. hates him, right? So it's just there are all these players they signed when they were really young, and now it's like year three or four, and like they're just going to get better. I think. I think Fred will not be as much of a joke as he was his first two years. I mean, he already like, isn't as much of a joke. He's just no. not. I just don't think Mick Fred is a great no. partnership for a quality team. No, is that going to get in the top four? I mean, I mean, they have Erickson. I imagine Erickson will work his way into the team quickly, given what they have. Van de Beek, you know, Ten Hogs coached him before on a good team. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. But yeah, I, um, I'm curious how pa- how uh, patient United boardroom fans, the media, how it'll all be. Because I don't. I think next year is the year we could really judge judge Ten Hog. All right, so going down, I will go down, I don't know, quite a bit from 7 through seven through 14. Uh, the okay. middle of the pack. Yeah, middle of the pack, 7 through 14, and then we'll reveal our relegation picks. So keep, it, keep track of what teams we mentioned. Seventh, I'm picking Aston Villa. Some of you, the longtime listeners, will remember I picked Villa for sixth last season, and I got burned badly. They finished 14th, just, and I'm doing it again to myself. I think... Villa, they had a lot of injuries last season. I think they actually have quite a good and semi-deep squad, to be honest. I mean, yeah, they do. some of you remember early flash in the pan, Leon Bailey, when he came on for Villa, he was f- freaking great. And then just glass, talking about glass boy, he was gone mm-hmm. for like the rest of the season after that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Coutinho on a full signing. They have Ollie Watkins. They still have veteran Danny Ings. I, I they, yeah, they, they Carlos is a good center. I was just going to say from signed. Sevilla that they signed. So I, you know, they still have Mings and other players and Maddie Cat. I don't know. I think they could be decent. And so I think, I think the table is going to be tight this season. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into some reasons why. But I have Villa for seventh. I have the Saudis at eighth. And the reason I call them the Saudi, have you seen their third kit, by the way? What, Newcastle? It's basically like a Saudi Arabia green kit. It's like a Saudi flag. Yeah. Um, and uh, the reason way, I, to, way to keep it subtle. Uh, when I reason I'm picking them eighth is I don't anticipate they're going to be done. If they, I will revise this pick, but I think that Eddie Howe in a full season will coach them and they'll be playing some good football. They have some good players. They have Callum Wilson. They have Alan St. Maximin, who's a really good player. Um, Guimar could be really good. And their defense is short up way more than it was at the start of last season, at least. And so, I think they could make some big improvements uh, neck and neck with West Ham at nine um, West Ham's have some conference league duties this season, not a super league, not a super deep squad, but a very interesting signing out of Italy. Uh, Scamacca uh, mm-hmm. big $40 million signing and very tall. Dude. I think it's like six, five, right? Crazy yeah, in the like air, maybe even taller. Yeah. So I've I'm only very... seen him play once for Italy and it was in like a recent friendly and I like what I saw. He seems like a technical, you know, striker, but anyway, this is your time. So I'll, I'll yeah. shut up. Um, <laughs> you know, they had, they got rid of Holler a couple, couple of years ago, you know, hope we're wishing the best for him, by the way, battling cancer and the whole thing. But yeah, I'm excited to see because Mikel, Mikel Antonio has been filling a role. I mean, he's, 
for what he grew up playing and growing his career, I think he's done a remarkable job at striker. Oh, yeah. To be honest, uh, remarkable. I mean, he's had some bangers. Big, big fans <laughs> of uh, Mikel Antonio on the pod. Yeah, Jamaican wonder boy. But yeah, I, I just don't know that West Ham can keep it going at, at the top. But we'll see. Uh, Ten I've Wolves. I think it might be the return of our one of the pod friends of the pod, uh, Podence. Uh, I want to see the sauce back because Podence brought some sauce a couple of years ago. We were mentioning him quite often. So I want to see that back. And Pedro Neto, who was injured a lot of last season, I want to see him back because he is that's, really, really good. That's the uh, guy people forget. And he's like 21 still. Yeah. That crazy thing about uh, Raul Jimenez is injured to start to the season. So we'll see when he's back. I think he had quite a disappointing year coming off the injury, the big injury that he had. And, you know, we'll see what uh, Wong does from the South Korean player. And so we'll, we'll see. I think that Wolves will be very solid under their manager as well. Uh, Palace at 11th, I think, you know, solid mid-table team. Uh, they brought in Chris Richards, the American from Bayern Munich. I think you'd yeah. be interested to see if he gets playing time. Somehow Zaha is still there. Because if you asked me that years ago, I would never believe you that Zaha was still at Palace, but he's still there. I, I mean, years ago, I wanted him so badly at Tottenham. Yeah. 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 No I mean, then I think much. he would have been solid, but you know, now it's like, does he work? I don't know, but I mean, solid, great player for crystal palace. No that. kidding. Uh, Lester at 12th. Some of you that have listened to this podcast might be surprised that Lester so far down there, but you know, they don't have many new players. They were very injured last season. So it's like a lot of new signings, but I just think this could be the year where Vardy takes a step back. I mean, he's been so good for so long. It's a credit to Jamie Vardy, really, that he's been good for so long. But he's like almost 36, I think. I mean, you slow down at some point. Mother Nature always wins. I mean, Mm -hmm. Ronaldo's not as fast as he once was. I mean, it happens to everybody. I mean, but even then, like... Vardy is not like a Ronaldo type that has like goes into like cryo chambers at night and right. you know, has like it's probably eight going meals a day and a whatever crazy. He's probably going and hanging with his friends at the pub, his old like dock workers and like, right. <laughs> still <laughs> looking for, yeah, still still looking for some coke after six beers. I don't know if you've heard about that tweet from like 15 years ago. It's bad. He's not. like, it's he's like asking, hey, where's the coke? <laughs> Openly um, on Twitter. Anyway, but like. Look, credit to him. Dude is still smashing uh, fish and chips and probably like pints of beer and 36, 35. No, no matter what time. happens, legendary career and should go on like the Leicester City, like Hall of Fame statue level if, at, in front of the stadium. If if there's ever like a, a, I'm not crazy about sports movies, actually as crazy as that sounds because I love sports, but if anyone ever has a movie made after them that's a footballer, I mean, Vardy's got to be up there. They're oh, uh, rags yeah. to riches, dock worker to Premier League top goal scorer, Premier League champion. I mean, multiple would... times, by the way, right? Or no, just one. No, he just once, right? Oh, because Harry, K- Harry Kane uh... won it the year that Leicester won it all. Never mind. I think I it's think... just once. Yeah, maybe he like shared it one year or something. Yeah. Anyway, but like, yeah, talk about a great story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Brighton 13th, don't have anything to say about them. And then Leeds 14th and Brentford 15th. So I'll leave the race. Right, so the just last, keeping track of the teams I haven't mentioned. The so. last five. Yeah. Well, let's, well, I like your picks. Thanks Sharon. I mean, I think maybe the, the way to approach this. So if we started seven, we picked really close to the same we did. teams, seven to 10, but in different order. So for me, you had Aston Villa in seventh. I appreciate how bold that, uh, 
that pick is, but I'm going West Ham. I'm yep. going West Ham uh, in seventh place. I thought last season would be the season where they would really struggle with uh, the European distraction and all that, but they were in a better competition in the Europa League last year, and now they're in Conference League. And they were. Made it to the semifinals, and I think uh, they haven't really lost anyone. That might change, but it doesn't sound like Declan Rice is going to go anywhere. They've got – now they actually have a striker. As much as I love Mikel Antonio, he's never been a striker really until like last year or two. But not only that, Justin, and maybe I, – I don't know if these will happen, but I see a really pl- a real plan in West Ham's transfer business with their other targets – I'm hearing they're going for Philip Kostic from from. Uh, I heard that too, and I love that. Frankfurt get them. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't love that as a Spurs fan because, like, <laughs> to me, that's like, okay, West Ham. All right, you get a six foot six striker who's going to be great in the air, and what do you get? One of the best crossers from a wing back position who had like 15, 20 assists last year. I mean, Kostic was ridiculous. So. That's promising, and I think I've seen them linked to some other really good, like maybe it was another good name. I can't remember who. Maybe a center back or something. But look, David Moyes, maybe I've just become like a David Moyes stan, but uh, I think he's doing good shit. Newcastle also eighth for all the same reasons of why they can't be higher, why not lower. I got Aston Villa as ninth. You know, I'm also very confident for Villa, but yeah, I mostly think their inconsistencies from last year under Gerard is more like the new manager thing and the team trying to figure them out. So I expect them to be a lot more solid, a lot more consistent next year. And I'm a little more high on your Leicester boys than you are. I've got yeah. them in the top 10. I've got Leicester 10th place, but that feels like a, a too early of a reaction because with putting them in 10th, I kind of expect them to do one or two more things in the transfer window, mm-hmm. at least one or two. But like I, I could see, you know, DACA, their striker is like 21 now. He's got another year under his belt. I think he could be more prominent. Like you said, all their injuries, their whole defense is back. Fofana will be huge. Casper Schmeichel potentially leaving is kind of a weird that. one. He's probably he's like almost guaranteed. It's a Romano tweet now where he's like, you know, yeah. not, not a here we go, but you know, Schmeichel leaving to, to nice, like Nice or something, yeah. which I'm sure it'd be a no pun Good intended, nice, nice place to uh to be 35 years old at. No, I mean, seriously though, I mean French Riviera and shit. I mean, okay, yes, please. Um, I got Crystal Palace also in 11th place. I was tempted to push them higher, but I actually think them not having Gallagher will affect some things. But look, they also signed some young players last year who I think will be like Michael Elise was like 17 last year. That dude, if you've seen him, uh, Eze will probably have a better role this year too, I imagine. Yep. Eze, Elise, Edward, all super young players. So Mark Gahey is a really good. I like him probably the most of, of the young center backs from England. Swansea legend. Yeah. No, I seriously though. Um, Wolves 12th. I think this is the first year where Wolves could kind of start going down a little bit, but I don't know. Ruben Neves is still there somehow, some way. And Raul, I still am rooting for the dude Jimenez. Um, a team you didn't mention mm. 13th place. Oh, it's a little spicy, but I'm going Everton 13th place. Yes. Justin has him that far down again. Uh, you know, it's funny because this is more of like 
my heart than my head telling me this because Everton are a big club and they were so bad last year that it can only get better. Right. Right. (laughs) But then you look at their squad and who they're linked with. It's always these young English players who I don't think are very good and are overhyped and overpriced. And I'm like, that sounds like Everton making the same (laughs) mistakes again. Um, Anyway, I've got Brighton at 14th. Basuma is going to be a big miss for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like Trossard, and I could see year three for Trossard being big. But, dude, they still lack goals, and now they don't have their dominant center mid who cleans everything up. So that's a concern. Really like uh, Graham Potter, though. Good good English manager. And then, uh, just like you, I also got Brentford in 15th. I think they got enough talent there to do without Ericsson. Um, they've signed some... They signed this young right back who I was really highly rated, I guess, and Romano's tweeting about it and shit. Um, and then I heard Nickel Domsgaard. Remember yep. him? Yes, yes, yes. Euro, 20, yep. Euro 2020 Danish legend. Uh, it, it would be great to see more Denmark players. They are the unofficial Danish national team, Brentford is. They got to sign Yusuf Poulsen from Leipzig now, too. Yeah. And, and all the other... The whole other gang, Neil Forsberg, all these players that are oh no, Forsberg's Swedish. Never mind. What am I thinking? Ah, same, same, but different. You know, <laughs> <laughs> across the across the bridge. Uh-huh. Um, cool. Well, I'll start with twentieth now. I'm going to go into my relegation teams. I'll work my way up uh, now that we only have a few team left. Two teams left. Bournemouth going to finish in twentieth, and here's the thing: they have like eleven thousand person stadium on the south coast i'm sure it's a great place to watch a game honestly how intimate and like south coast high, gotta be nice high school football does that feel you know <laughs> at that game but at the end of the day i just don't think they brought in anybody i mean i know that i've looked at their squad i mean they're going to rely on solanke uh dominic solanke uh you might remember his name yeah. from former liverpool youth guy but you're you're right, and it's weird though because of all the promoted teams, they probably have the most Premier League experience. But you're right; they've only brought Marcus Tavernier or something from yeah. Middlesbrough, and you would probably know more about him than I would. So he's a midfielder. That's all I know. But they got like Jefferson and- Lerma is a good player, but yeah, they have, haven't really done any business. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not high on them at all. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really tough for Bournemouth fans for sure. I, I can't think of a redeeming quality. I think there's almost like a hundred percent. They go back down and Scott Parker, their manager. I mean, he's been up before with Fulham. Um, they fired him and they really played an unattractive football style, footballing style in the championship. They really grinded out results. Unlike really. Yes. Huh. And so it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big struggle for Bournemouth. 19th in a gap between 20th and 19th, by the way. I have Nottingham Forest, and this is a more of an unknown. I'm really rooting for Forest because they haven't been in the Premier League in over 20 years, I'm certain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they brought in they've brought in a lot of players. Talk about the opposite. And oh you know, some from the championship. They brought in Jay Lings, aka Jesse Lingard. Uh, the young, from, young English young, prodigious yeah, talent. Young Jesse Lingard, and they brought in Dean Henderson on loan. So they have a good keeper, oh, which right. is big. I mean, I know that, that should keep them in some games for sure. But I just don't know that they have the talent. And this is more of a wild card because they did bring in so many players. So we don't know 12. what that chemistry is. And 12 you know, players. Can you I believe do, that? Yeah. It's crazy. And I do like their manager who used to coach Swansea, but they've won that promoted playoff against Huddersfield. So 
Steve Cooper. And so I'm excited for Forrest, but I'm reserved in my judgments because it is such an unknown and we're unknown about the talent level. 18th, barely. I really didn't want to go all three teams and I might change this later, but I have Fulham. You know, Big Sausage really did it, a.k.a. <laughs> Mitrovic in the in the championship. He scored, what, like 35 goals or something? He was, like, yep. banging in the goals. I think broke, broke the record and all yeah, that. Yeah, they were destroying the championship. I mean, they have a couple Americans on that squad. Anthony Robinson, who will likely start at the World Cup at left back. They have Tim Bream, who somehow still starts at center <laughs> back. That could be a big weakness for them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I know they have Tosin Adebayo. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I don't know. I'm still unsure about Fulham. They signed a, what is it? Pereira from United who was on loan in Brazil to be their cam. Right. Oh, um, really? Huh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, Andreas Pereira, Andreas right? Pereira. I'm pretty sure they wow. Fulham signed him. And so I don't know, just really, they have like Bobby day Cordova Reed or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have some talent. I just, I feel like we've seen Fulham before and it's like almost like a, you know, Norwich is a Fulham light in a way mm-hmm. where Fulham tries a little harder, but they just are another yo-yo club. So I think I'm just sticking with tradition there. Uh, 17th. I really wanted to relegate them Southampton. I just really think they didn't bring in anyone and you can only rely on so many James Ward prowse free kicks and penalties to save you. And I just don't know if that's a sustainable expected goal or goal model. And so I'm sure he'll get a few, but I just don't know if it's enough. And then 16th, I have Everton for all the wrong reasons. I just think their squad is ass. So I think lamps might be out uh, before season end, but we'll get to that in a little bit, but spicy lamps prediction more to come on that. Uh, Well, I guess since you started from bottom up, I can also do that. Burn myth. Totally agree with everything you said. I think they do have some Premier League experience, but yeah, they just, I, I didn't realize that they've been the team of all the teams that are being promoted. They've been the one grinding out the wins from the championship, but Hey, look, sometimes a team actually mo- most often the teams that go for it and attack are the ones that get pasted in the Premier League. True. Norwich City, True. you know, so Norwich. Yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be really interesting to watch. Um, I also have Nottingham Forest in 19th place. I was really, really looking for reasons to not have them in 19th. It's just maybe this is just me not doing enough of a scouting report, but I just don't know their players well enough. I mean, they've signed. um players from the championship and from like um, leagues outside of like the top, like three, like leagues, like Germany, Switzerland, I think, and the Dutch league and stuff like that. So I really don't know what to expect. Uh, Dina Henderson and Lingard are good signings. As you said, I think they signed union Berlin striker as a record signing. And he scored a bunch of goals in Germany, but he's Nigerian. I don't really know much about him though. So Big question mark. And also like this guy I knew at UW uh, who played on my co-ed intramural team actually works for Forrest's like upper office somehow. He was UW's soccer team's like student manager. And he somehow did, you know, worked for like Bradford City, I think, or Bristol, and then went to Nottingham Forest with Forrest's like 35-year-old like American GM, which is kind of cool story going on at Forest, So I encourage everyone to read a little more into it. So I'm excited for that. Taymor, if you're listening, you're probably not because you're all famous now and shit. Come on, man. I'm rooting for you. Uh, I am going to go Southampton getting relegated. 
18th uh, place. Yep. It's you the did time. It. I mean, kind of like, I just feel like Southampton reminds me of what Newcastle are doing under Mike Ashley. They just keep selling all their best players. Don't really replace them. I want to remind folks that Armando Broya is not back on loan. He's yes. still at Chelsea right That's now. That's the so. big part of their team last season. Big, so, big. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, maybe like Walker Peters and Salisu get better as they get older, but like they're, they are starved of goals, starved of goals. And I think Hassan Hoodle's done amazing for Southampton actually. And there's only so much you can do with that squad. Um, sorry, you're going to say something. Oh, one more, one more point. One arguably their best player, uh, Livermento, who is a former Chelsea product is out at least until January. And so that's another miss that they have as well. You like tear his ACL or something, something, like something big. I can't remember, but he's out till wow. January, I believe. Yeah. That's a big miss. Another great young English right back. I don't know where they keep pumping him out from all coming from Chelsea's youth team too. Weird. Um, Fulham. I actually have Fulham staying up. And like you said, they destroyed, the, they destroyed the championship. Yes. They scored a lot of goals, but I believe they were like reasonably solid defensively too. I think. And I had to pop open their transfers because I knew there was one or two I was forgetting. João Paulinha from Portugal, mm-hmm. defensive yes. center mid. I've seen him. It's either him or William Carvalho that plays holding center mid for Portugal, I think. And I mean, there's only so much a holding center mid can do for a promoted team, but I think that's sneaky good business. Andreas Pereira, I don't rate at all personally. Um, Solomon, Maynor Solomon from Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, oh. He's an Israeli player. I remember him being good for Shakhtar whenever I've seen him. So, uh, striker uh, to play with Sausage. It's not bad. And then Kevin Mbabu. I yes, feel like the Swiss, I've seen the Swiss him player. Switzerland. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. He's like a wingback. So, but yes. then again, they're missing Fabio Carvalho. He went to Liverpool, like 18 year old kid. He, apparently, he was crucial for. Fulham last season. So anyway, I think they've got enough to keep him up. Um, plus I want to see Fulham's renovated stadium, like stay there. They're, they have the coolest stadium in the league, in my opinion. So you'll see what I mean when the season starts right on the river Thames. Beautiful. Uh, and then I got Leeds 16th for everything we mentioned earlier. And I'm um, come on Leeds. They're my second team at this point. You're, you're maybe doing a Premier League trip this year, and you gotta you gotta try to make Fulham Ooh. happen. Not maybe it's happening. Oh, oh it's happening. Okay, yeah, the, the Jensen clan is going to going match week thirty two and thirty three, most likely in London match week thirty two, and then the Northwest match week thirty three. So we're definitely doing Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The second London location is TBD. Is Craven Cottage an option or no? I don't think they play in town then, which would be a huge bummer. I know that's kind of why I'm looking for a different weekend, but I don't know. I have like family, yeah, family yeah. reasons. It, anyway, yeah. if it was Not up to just... me, we would do Tottenham and Fulham or maybe Palace. I heard Stanford Bridge is a hoot. <laughs> that, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would rather go to the Emirates. Actually, oof, I kind of take that statement back. Um, Pal- Palace maybe? Yeah, maybe. But um yeah, going to see Liverpool also play Forest, I think. And then the next day on Sunday is Chelsea goes up to Manchester United. So that's kind of... As much as we should on United, that would be cool. 
It'd be really uh, cool to go I mean, to Old Trafford. The theater, I mean, if, theater yeah, of I mean, dreams, man. You know, I mean, they might be 17th by then, but you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, should we do? Let's do some quick hot takes, predicted surprises, and disappointments here. Uh, I mean, I'll start with one, and I'm not going in any order here. I just what I really feel strongly about, and mm-hmm. don't know if this is a hot take, but I think Darwin Nunez will have a better goal scoring season than Erling Holland, and that's not to say I think Darwin mm-hmm. Nunez is necessarily better. But I think Erling Holland is going to need a little bit of time to adjust to that Manchester City style of play I alluded to earlier. And so I think Darwin Nunez, Liverpool can adapt to that style of play. They have good wingbacks that get forward uh, and elite crossers and Robertson and Alexander Arnold. And I think Darwin Nunez is going to mop up some goals this season. So Nunez greater than Holland for this first season Damn. in the Premier League. And it's not just recency bias with the uh, community, the community shield. shield. Yeah, no, it's not just that. <laughs> Don't you love how like the Twitter trolls and shit, just like Nunez's debut in preseason, he misses one sitter and he's called a flop and then he scores four goals the next year. And people are like, Oh wait, maybe he's not terrible. And then he scores and Holland doesn't suddenly he's hot. Oh, shit. And, and Holland and, missed a sitter. Right. And so at the at very end of the game, mind you, but yeah. And he hit the crossbar. Come on. Like, Anyway, but no, I I see where you're getting at. And I think, honestly, I'm curious about Liverpool playing with the striker because I don't think they've been playing like to a striker's strengths because they haven't had the striker. So you put someone like Nunez on Trent's through balls and then Mm. their center of the pitch is also a lot more talent than it did like two years ago because of a little guy named Tiago who he's kind of good. He's he's decent. So uh, he's a free agent in our uh, fantasy Premier League. You can pick him up. That's true. That's true. You know, my my big predicted disappointment or like big question mark I've talked enough about with Chelsea. So I'm not going to do that. I already covered Southampton going down. So we talked a little bit about this off the off air. We might have said something about it or referenced it earlier, but I think you and I agree on this one. Frank Lampard, mm. Everton manager, former Chelsea great. I think he'll get the sack by Christmas. I just, I just, for everything you've mentioned, I think, and I think Everton really need a tactician to sort their shit out. And Frank Lampard is not a tactician. So I I worry for him and Everton. It's going to be tough. And the only reason I say it's going to be tough is because we have, I'll get to it in this next one. We have this thing called the world cup in the winter. And so he's going to have to be really bad by like just a little thing mid November for him to yeah. get the sack. And cause you know, games go to like almost Christmas for the world cup. So man, I think he gets the sack though. I agree. I'm going to agree with this prediction because I just don't see lamps with that squad satisfying the Everton fans and ownership where they're going to sit. And you and I agree, they're going to be near the bottom of the table uh, mm-hmm. probably, you know, midway through November. Well, they need to really, uh, they need to replace Richarlison, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. A guy we didn't talk about went to Tottenham, um, oh, as, yeah, that as an option. Thing. Yeah. Uh, one of their biggest signings ever, uh, for a, a player that might not even start, but, um, look, he was so, he put the team on his back when they were struggling and he was like their shining light with Anthony Gordon and he scored all the crucial goals in all their big games. So. That's a huge, huge loss. Um, anyway, over to you. Yeah, uh, really down on Everton. 
All right. Cristiano Ronaldo. We've talked a little bit about him and preseason hasn't played much for United. Is he going to go? Is he going to stay linked with all these other clubs, other clubs saying, eh, we like Ronaldo, one of the greats. We don't want him basically. And so where is he going to go? He doesn't really want to stay at United played a half a game in one preseason game last weekend. I think Cristiano Ronaldo in the English Premier League will get less than 10 goals in season. Oh, doubt Ronaldo at your at your peril. My peril, yep. You know. Look as as a as a I wouldn't say Ronaldo hater of many years, but close-ish to Ronaldo hater, me personally, like even I know better than that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm playing with fire. I don't know. There could be, he could be coasting until the world cup, trying not to get injured because he doesn't like the squad or the playing style with the pressing. Uh, He cares about records too much. It's all about him. Oh, less than 10, less than 10. Will he even be at United? You know, I mean, that's another saga we haven't really talked about. I mean, in depth, I mean, put in a transfer request said publicly he wants to leave but none of the big teams who can actually afford him, they either don't want him or have managers who are such like, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just hardcore about their style. So like a Tuchel and a Pep wouldn't take a Ronaldo, you know? So mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. Uh, that That's a ballsy prediction. And I got to give you props for that, even though I don't agree. For me, <laughs> okay, I think... This is, comes. This next one comes from a place of frustration of how reactionary fans are. It's probably mostly social media, but like, you know, if a player has like three bad games or like they're just trash and, you know, if a player scores like 10 goals in a, in a row or something, they're suddenly the next hot shit and they're the goat and whatever. But players are written off way too fast for me way too fast. And I think people are doing that to Jack Grealish and Jaden Sancho specifically. My big prediction is I expect them both to have big second seasons because how many players at Man City have we seen struggle in their first year, not get very many minutes because Pep is such a, you know, again, his style is like to a fault almost. He like praises his style, which is like admirable. And I know I would rather have Pep over anyone else, but it takes a long time for players to adjust. So I think with uh, with Sterling going to Chelsea, I think Grealish gets a lot more minutes. And then Jaden Sancho, he just, I don't know if he was overawed by the, you know, his role and the team and Old Trafford or what. But he got a lot of minutes. He just wasn't that effective. But I expect him to be a lot more effective this season for a team that isn't as much of a mess, I would think, as they were last year. So don't write him off too early. I like the positivity. My last one will be that World Cup will greatly affect the season. And what I mean by that is we've never had something like this before. We're a mo- I mean, I guess the coronavirus that had the big stoppage of play. But in the middle of the season, a month-long break for a World Cup where all the best players will go and play in Qatar. And so how is that going to look? How is that going to affect the table to me and how I think about this? A lot of the larger teams will be affected more because they're going to have more of their players going to play. They're going to have more games, more leg, you know, more minutes under their belt. 
And that could impact some of the, you know, the West Ham type of teams and the Aston Villas, if you will, that don't have as many players going into the World Cup. So they could be fresher on the return. As you and I both know, there are a lot of games in the, you know, in the festive fixture time. And so they're going to come back and play a lot of games. And so I think that this table could be tighter than it normally is from top to mid. So I'm really excited to see what this break will do. Uh, one key takeaway I have just thinking about this, Mohamed Salah in Egypt did not make the World Cup for Liverpool. You know, I think you know he's going to come back and play against some tired players or some backups. I think he could tear it up in December and January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Norway didn't make it either. Norway Erling, did not make with, it. With Erling Holland. That's right. Who are the other big teams that didn't make it that have players in the Italy family? did not make it. So if there's no one really Skamaka, Skamaka, I guess. Jorginho. Yeah. Yes, true. Sweden, Kulosevsky. Uh Colombia but... didn't make it. Luis Diaz. That's true. So That's yeah, right. you have Luis Columbia Diaz and Sala. Wow. Okay. But yeah, you're right. Most of the top players are gonna be mm-hmm. gonna be gone pretty much. Uh, for me, my last one, uh, I, I totally agree with that point. I think it'll affect the season in ways we don't even expect, whether it's like injuries or, you know, maybe there are a couple weeks where just teams, the big teams are just have half of their squad, which is just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Who knows? Um, my last one, it didn't really pan out this way in his first season as manager, mostly because of injuries and not having a striker. But for me, I think Leeds will go back to being one of the most entertaining sides in the Premier League. And maybe I'm basing this a lot of off of how Jesse Marsh's team played at Red Bull Salzburg, but they were just, I know they were in not as great of a league, but they really went for every, every game that they played in the Champions League, no matter how big the team they went for it. Sometimes they conceded four goals, but they'd often score at least three, four, five. Um, they're investing in young talent that, like, kind of like Brentford, it seems a little bit like Moneyball. You don't always know the players, but I'm pretty confident they'll be pretty good. I, I hear this uh, Colombian guy they signed who I've never seen play, Sinistera, I think. Yeah. For 25 million pounds, apparently he's supposed to be uh, like electric in style and just kind of like, you know, dynamite. So I bet he'll be a lot of fun. I think their American guys are going to do really well this year. And importantly for them, uh, Patrick Bamford is back, baby. Well, we'll see if he makes it another injury. Let's see if he gets injured or not again this season. But I think uh, there's a lot going for them. They also signed uh, Mark Roca from Bayern Munich, who never really got minutes, but I remember him playing or somewhere in Spain, and he was really good. He just could never get on the pitch at center mid in Bayern Munich. So Tal Adams plus Mark Roca, you know, he could do a lot worse. I don't know. Interesting signings. Leeds also, they have a player they really like for a long, like a couple of years, they're a really young player. Was it Gelhart? They really oh, like a yeah. young talent. He's really fast and electric. So I could feel, I could see him getting more playing time this season too. Dude, that one, I forget if it was against Norwich or one of the games where Leeds scored in extra time, Gelhard had that play where he, in the six-yard box, like flicked it over a defender who slid. Yeah. And like that, was when I saw that, I was like, okay, this guy has something different, you know. 
Yep. So I could see him getting more. And then what does that do to Swansea legend Daniel James? There's a lot of these players coming in. He might get less playing time. Who knows? Yeah, that is a guy I've never been. I've never (laughs) rated him highly at all. I'm not going to lie. He's good at Swansea, man. You got to remember those days. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, that's it for us. I think nice hour and 20 minutes in and spent with us. Yeah. It's been a lot to cover. I mean, there's a lot more to cover. I mean, we didn't go deep on anything. We didn't even, I mean, like just through uh, talking about different topics, we kind of talked about transfers, but we haven't Mm -hmm. even done the transfer pod. So that'll come eventually. Is there, are there any transfers that just off the top of mind that you think we missed or didn't talk about? I mean, that Richarlison one was big that you just mentioned, which didn't talk about that at all. Well, I mean, I guess we covered all the city signings and all the Arsenal signings and Chelsea. Right. But yeah, the Tottenham ones, I guess. Outgoing, I mean, outgoing, some notable things like Bellerin's still in the Arsenal squad. That's kind of interesting. What's going to happen with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, Tottenham brought in Perisic and Basuma and Richarlison are probably the highlights. Clement Longley is a fascinating one because he's, let's be honest, he's been ass cheeks for two years at Barca, but Barca have also been a total dumpster fire. So you put him in Conte's back three, I guarantee you it quickly becomes apparent like, oh, wait, he's really good on the ball for a center back. So we'll see how that matches up with the Premier League pace and power and all that, though. I guess we didn't talk about Everton, but they signed James Tarkowski, Tarkowski from, yeah. uh, from Burnley, a really good center back. Got him on a free, so that's nice. They got that Ruben Vinagre from Sporting. You might remember him from Wolves. He was okay. And Dwight McNeil from Burnley as well is one of their okay players at Burnley. So I don't know. Uh, uh, Matt Turner, backup keeper, Arsenal, American yeah, guy. that's right. That's right. You know, that's kind of exciting for Americans and Americans only probably. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Zach Steffen, speaking of, left City to go to Middlesbrough in the championship to get playing time. And so it's going to be a really interesting dynamic for the USA in the World Cup that Steffen is playing. They could go with MLS or Matt Turner, who's probably going to be mm-hmm. now more of a backup and not getting as much playing time uh, before November. So that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, but I mean, look, things could really change if like Ronaldo does leave Manchester United because then there's a hole to fill there. And I think that could see like a that could spark some kind of like chain reaction. It's already been kind of a striker merry-go-round. So it'd be curious to see what what another striker going out would do and who they would go for. So other than that, though, I, I feel like feel like we covered most of the major transfers i mean divac Origi left liverpool on a free which is sad to see but i, I don't think anyone's surprised by that you already mentioned sven botman going in for newcastle center back who i really rate highly there are a lot of small ones uh, there's two more i'll mention one you will not have heard of a guy named from ren really highly rated 30 million pound defender aguerd it almost looks like aguero misspelled yeah. He is really, really good. For West player, Ham, right? Uh, for West Ham. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting how he does. I've heard uh, he's a ball-playing center back. That's my understanding. Yeah, and so that'll be fun. And then the other one, Julian Alvarez, who was technically a signing in January, but right. went back on loan, but now he's back at City. And a really highly young player from River Plate. And he can be electric, his highlights out of Argentina. Obviously, he's super young and a lot to prove. And so, yes, he scored like a 
know, gimme goal in the care in the community the care, shield. Yeah. Community shield. And then hit the Guerrero celebration. Yeah. But uh, it's a player they highly rate. And I bet you, he's not going to get a ton of time, but he will get minutes this season. And so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how he does. You know, I, I think he will get minutes. Mm-hmm. I actually do. I mean, cause I think he could play kind of across front three as well. So right. Will be a fascinating season this year. Everyone's got a brand new attack, more or less, except for Tottenham, just with some extra bodies. And uh, yeah, literally everyone else has got a new attack. And we didn't mention, but games are this weekend. Like this oh, weekend. Yeah. yeah, that's an important detail. Friday. Friday, Friday Arsenal game. travels to Crystal Palace. Right. For a really tricky game, honestly. But that's the the kickoff for this year. Uh, I think that's a that's a spicy matchup that the Premier League laid up for us on on the first day. And might I add, Arsenal got smoked on the first day of last season against Brentford. I wouldn't expect that to happen again this year, but Never know. They, were, they were so good in preseason. We'll see if that keeps going. So other matchups, Manchester United on Sunday host Brighton. Why that's notable is because Brighton smoked them in both matchups, especially the second. Brighton won 4-0. I think they could have won like 7-8-0. They were just dominated Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, West Ham hosts Manchester City. That should be a fun game uh, to open in the London Stadium. Uh, Everton hosts Chelsea. Frankie Lampard uh, probably not going to get off to a good start. Uh, and then I would say last one, Leeds United Wolves will be an entertaining game, I think, uh, up and down. I think that should be a fun one. And then Newcastle hosts Nottingham Forest. I'm just excited to see Nottingham back in the Premier League. So yeah, let's see how their misfit of toys squad fits together. I don't think the co- the manager probably knows Cooper yet. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll be interested. It will be really interesting. But Friday, first day, uh, hour and a half pod scene is the longest i think we've ever done in a so, while which a is while. funny though because this is like normal podcast length and i realize our our pods actually aren't that long so we're normally organized and together but this is a preview it's more off the cuff and loose we're, but we're in summer season baby i mean yeah. next week we got to get back into it we got to focus on our key games and then rapid fire and the whole thing the whole shebang well, until next week, uh, set your alarm 7 a.m. for these games. You're going to have to wake up in the summer. It's nice and cool. Watch those EPL games before you go on a hike. But we'll be covering them all. But until next week, match week one episode, have fun, stay safe, and we'll see you for Crystal Palace beating Arsenal 5-0. to nil.